Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Thank you so much for those words. So sensitive and conveying the lives of Chose and Keith so well. You know, we're approaching Obon, the ceremony in which we call forth the spirits of our departed loved ones. And in addition to those in our own families and our friends, we're keenly aware of the many, many who have died of COVID-19. More than 1,100 in our country in a single day. We also grieve for those who have been killed due to white supremacist and police violence in our nation. And last Friday, we lost a man who is an inspiring force for good. As he put it, good trouble. Congressman John Lewis. He has rightly been called the moral compass of our nation. Seeing acutely and responding bravely to all forms of injustice. He was three years older than I. We were both youngsters at the March on Washington, which he helped organize as a founder and chairman of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee of which I was a member. And standing alongside the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., his remarks were so fiery and fervent. At a National Urban League convention in Philadelphia a few years ago, he told the crowd how his parents reacted when, as a young boy, he asked about the colored only signs that were omnipresent in the Deep South. And they said to him, that's the way it is. Don't get in the way. Don't get in trouble. But he told that group, 
One day, I was inspired to get in the way, to get in trouble. And for more than 50 years, I've been getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. And it's time for all of us to get in trouble again. John Lewis endured numerous jailings and life-threatening beatings. He had his skull cracked by a trooper during the 1965 March for voting rights in Selma, Alabama. In 2011, President Barack Obama awarded him the Presidential Medal of Honor of Freedom, saying, generations from now, when parents teach their children what is meant by courage, the story of John Lewis will come to mind. An American who knew that change could not wait for some other person or some other time, whose life is a lesson in the fierce urgency of now. John Lewis saw the protests against the recent murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd as a continuation of his life's work. There will be no turning back, he said in his last interview a month ago. He had a great vow to work for justice from an early age. He knew it wasn't enough just to bemoan racism in all its forms and say, well, we don't know what to do about it, so we'd better not get in the way. He exhorted us to educate ourselves about its nefarious reality, about the history not taught in our schools, about the wisdom of nonviolence in confronting injustice, suppression, and oppression. In our own lives, as Buddhist practitioners, an ever present danger 
is justifying inaction by clinging to some half-baked notion of no knowing and falling thereby into indifference or paralysis. We might say that's the very definition of privilege. We are implicated in the suffering of others. There are no others separate from ourselves. So our bodhisattva practice is an ongoing awakening to this self-other oneness continually in every circumstance. In the fierce urgency of now, When we don't know enough about a situation that arises to respond appropriately with confidence, it's up to us to learn everything we can. It's our responsibility as human beings. We have to keep studying all the fine points, all the complexities of every issue and keep asking, keep investigating. This afternoon, Andy and I joined a Garrison Center webinar featuring Laurie Anderson, and Jonathan Rose called Pathways to Planetary Health. Anderson said, we need to study. If you can see the why and the how, you won't be battered by the what. The biggest teaching in Buddhism, she said, is always to ask, what is this? What is this? Rose spoke of three critical things in responding to the chaos of our time. The practice of mantra, which means to protect the mind. Tapping into the force of love, inspired by Martin Luther King Jr.'s nonviolent resistance and Gandhi's fierce love. And the power 
of collaboration through art, meditation, and political action. Empathy, he said, is not enough. We need compassion. For embedded within compassion is action. So here we are on this summer evening, delving into it. What is this? When we really experience the profundity of no knowing, the absolute sphere of Buji, nothing to do. We realize it is one with, never apart from the relative realm in which our discerning engagement is required. We must be willing to make mistakes, to be misunderstood, to be buked and scorned, as the old spiritual put it. We must dare to go against our conditioning to risk it all. There is a colon that says, walk straight on the zigzag path. Sometimes we're walking in utter darkness. Sometimes we hit a wall. Sometimes we fall down. But we pick ourselves up and keep on keeping on. Laurie Anderson has a song, Ramon. It goes like this. <clears throat> Some people walk on water. Some people walk on broken glass. Some just walk round and round in their dreams. Some just keep falling down. So when you see a man who's broken, pick him up and carry him. And when you see a woman who's broken, put her all into your arms. Cause we don't know where we come from. We don't know what we are. And you, you are no one. And you, 
you're falling and you you're traveling traveling at the speed of light what we come to realize in our practice is that the zigzag path no matter how much it twists and turns, goes forth and circles around, is none other than the Eightfold Path. And there will be no turning back. What flowed throughout the lives of those we've heard about today is aspiration. It's aspiration that keeps us returning again and again to the breath in the midst of berating ourselves for not living up to our vow. It's aspiration that keeps us returning again and again to the simple and direct act of just sitting, just walking, just listening, even when we feel overwhelmed by fear and exhaustion. It's aspiration that steers us toward the realization that we are always held in the utter vastness of the Buddha's outstretched hand and that our own hand can reach out to help another who has fallen. It's aspiration that keeps us true, that helps us offer ourselves unreservedly. The Tibetan teacher, Zongsar Kensei Rinpoche says, aspire not only to understand the Dharma intellectually, but to understand it experientially. Aspire that your body, your bearing, your ideas and thoughts, all in one way or another become beneficial to sentient beings. Aspire to practice the Dharma thoroughly and completely and pray that you will not be always waiting for the right time to start practicing. When you have time, go somewhere quiet and practice. 
when you lose your temper? May you feel embarrassed at your behavior and gain some realization. When you feel depressed, may that very depression be the cause for you to realize the truth. And most important of all, he said, always aspire to aspire. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.